Seniors, does your doctor regularly reach out to check on you? Can you walk into your doctor's office and see them if you need to? Do you have your doctor's cell phone number and can you call them anytime, day or night? At Dedicated Senior Medical Center, their only specialty is caring for seniors. Dedicated makes it easy to get the primary care you deserve. Doctors spend more time with patients than the doctors you may be used to. They offer telehealth visits, help you get your medications, and even make sure you get to your appointments. If your doctor isn't treating you like family, it's time to say yes to Dedicated Senior Medical Center. Call Dedicated Senior Medical Center today to schedule a visit and find out what you're missing. Call 813-359-1448. That's 813-359-1448. Appointments available now. Welcome to Cafecito with Rosie on air, where you'll get to know local professionals, entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers, and how they're helping their community. Hear exclusive interviews from thriving individuals, get inspired, and learn from them. And now, your host, author, speaker, commissioner, Medicare broker, business owner, published author, and business trailblazer, Rosie Paulson. Bienvenidos to Cafecito with Rosie on air. I am your host, Rosie Paulson. I am the owner of Rosie Paulson Enterprises and SNR Services. My brand promise is knowledge, connection, success. And... Rosie Paulson Enterprises is grateful to dedicated Senior Medical Center for sponsoring Cafecito with Rosie on Air. The show features business owners, community leaders, and people that are making changes in our Tampa Bay area. Today, I am honored and glad to introduce a really good friend of mine. Tony Zabajo is an award-winning social entrepreneur who turned an old laptop into a thriving company that has helped empower thousands of children worldwide through technology. Tony went from reselling candy, reselling candy treats at age six, starting his first company at age 16 in his hometown in Venezuela, to founding the doll, uh, to finding a do good business venture with retail locations in South America. Tony has the right combination of academia and hard knock empirical experience. And one of his strongest competitive advantage is to be able to leverage his diverse background to think and deal in multiple cross-cultural scenarios. He has a passion, uh, he has a passionate desire to always help learning challenge the status quo, and elevate those around him. Tony is a millennial, millennial with a friendly face, loved by the media, and always with a powerful story to tell. And today we'll be talking about using business as a force for social good. Tony, how are you today? Rosie, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing fantastic. Oh, I am so glad. It's always an honor to have you on my show because you just had such a um, uh, fresh of breath air. I mean, a, a breath of fresh air that is just an amazing uh, experience for me to sit with you and learn so much of what you have accomplished so far. So thank you so much for all everything you've done for our community. 
Oh, thank you. Those are beautiful words. I appreciate that, my friend. Yeah, awesome. So, Tony, tell us about who is Tony. You know, um, where you're from originally. Are you married? Tell me about your children. Let's just talk about Tony the person. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was uh, born and raised in in uh, Venezuela. I was born in Caracas, and then I grew up in a in a city that's about two hours away from Caracas called Maracay. And, um, you know, I had, I had a pretty, pretty awesome childhood. You know, my mom is an immigrant. She's from Peru originally. And my dad, uh, first generation Venezuelan is my dad because my grandma from my dad's side, she's from, she was from the Canary Islands. And my dad's, on my granddad from the dad, from my dad's side was from, uh, Puglia from Italy. So, uh, it was definitely a very diverse upbringing and you know venezuela was was this uh melting pot for immigrants back in the day so most of my friends were from uh they they were first generation venezuelans or second generation venezuelans like like in my case so all my friends were from different parts of of the uh of the world my friends were from syria from lebanon from italy from spain from portugal so you know we grew up with that you know, immigration, you know, immigrant mentality of taking advantage of opportunities and, and just looking at the world from a, from a different perspective. And um, as, when I was graduating college, uh, one, a friend of the family came to the United States and he tried to open a recycling business. And at that point, he said, hey, Tony, you're graduating from college. If I sponsor your visa, would you would you come and help us, you know, get the business going? Because all of his family was still in Venezuela. Nobody really wanted to migrate. And I said, yeah, for sure. I was 23 at that time where the process started. And, you know, on a work visa, I came here April 10th of 2011. Mm. And, you know, worked with him, with his company for a year and a half, company didn't do so well, I got rehired by another company, it was a scrap metal company, and my background with him was scrap metal, he had a, a, a scrap metal yard, you know, a big, uh, very popular scrap metal company in, in Venezuela, so I kind of got involved in the scrap metal industry, and when the company that I, that I was working with started not doing so well, I got rehired by another company as a scrap metal buyer. And they, they did the re-sponsorship of my visa again, which was an incredible blessing because I had friends of mine that were graduating with master's degrees and doctorate degrees, and they couldn't find companies that would sponsor their visa. And, and here I was with a company that was re-sponsoring uh, a visa for me again. And in that interim, I met my my wife who's from wisconsin and then we got married and then we had two little uh girls and those are my little angels alessandra and isabella five-year-old three-year-old and, and kind of the rest is history wow amazing amazing but part of the story is how you started your company so if you were working with this um second company where did your idea to start your own company came from and how did that happen? 
Yeah, so when I was working with this second company and I was I was a scrap metal buyer. So when I was with the first company, I was in charge of selling the scrap metal that we were producing. We would buy cars, we would strip the strip the parts, we would resell some of the parts and we would uh, export some some items. But I was in charge of the selling of the scrap. And with this company I was in charge of the buying of the scrap. So I was a buyer, so I, I, I saw these two sides of the coin, that, and I was very intrigued. And at that point, uh, I had an opportunity with some friends of the family that wanted to invest a little bit of money to kind of go on my own and, and carve a little niche. Um, and my idea was to create essentially a small, you know, scrapyard. Well, when, when I quit my company, the second company that I was working because I wanted to start my business, the economy in Venezuela took a huge, huge uh, downturn. And a lot of the people that were looking at investing with me and kind of, you know, as an opportunity to start taking some money out of Venezuela, um, they held, they just, they held on to the money. So nobody wanted to invest. So originally I was going to start with about $150,000. I ended up starting my company with $8,000. Wow. And I had already quit my job, and <laughs> so I was by myself in the middle of, of this process. And, I mean, you understand this. You know, when you're resilient, you just keep pushing forward. So I was not going to uh, deviate from, from that path. And one of the um, very trendy topic back in 2014 when I started my company was uh, computer waste and e-waste. It was the fastest growing municipal waste stream in the entire country. These people get, you know, they kept upgrading their computers and their technology and they didn't know what to do with it. So they kept dumping them in, in the trash and it was reaching the landfill and it was a huge mess. So I said, okay, well, you know, dealing with the computers, it's kind of similar like dealing with old, you know, cars that we were buying. You know, you take them apart, you try to salvage some components, you, you know, you resell the metal. So I can do that. And I started, you know, taking in computers and I started, you know, going to these networking events in the chamber and whatnot and saying, hey, if anybody has old computers, let me know. We can recycle them. And... Lo and behold, one of the first networking events that I went to, um, there was this company that was upgrading like 20 computers, and they said, you know, we have absolutely no idea what to do with them. Come, can you come and pick them up? And and we did, and that was kind of one of one of our first clients. Yeah, but then I think the most important thing is what to do when with those computers that makes the difference, and what I has made you like. A leader in your community um, and, I, and I think you tell me that all the time that it has a cause uh, and effect right and then the impact that you're making so you realize that there was a need and then you supply that need with this and you mirror it together and you made a social change so tell me a little bit about that how did that came along and what is the change that has happened since then for sure so you know, this company that I was just telling you about that was upgrading their their computers, right? So we went there and we picked we picked those computers up and I had them on this little tiny trailer. Um, that was <laughs> kind of my first office. And 
you know, like the following week, I went to this other networking event and a very similar story. Hey, if you have all computers, let me know. We can recycle them. And this time I got approached by, by this, um, by this nonprofit. There was this representative from these nonprofit that, you know, they approached me and they say, Hey, you know, we serve a lot of kids and we don't have computers in our, in our center. So can we, can we buy some affordable computers from you is what they asked. And at that point I'm listening to this and I'm completely mind blown because I couldn't, I couldn't understand that there could be such a gap in access to, you know, to resources, to something so basic as a computer here in the United States in the best country in the world. I, I mean, I, I'm a recent immigrant. I had only been here for like three years. So, so in my head, it just did not make sense. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, you know, we just picked up 20 computers from a client. Um, how about we do this? I don't have the heart to sell you the computers, but we can prepare, you know, we can ref- refurbish 10 of those computers because they were pretty decent computers. They were only like five years old. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll give you 10 of those and then we'll keep the other 10 so we can sell them and, and make money. And, you know, you get your 10, I get another 10, and then we'll tell the story to this company to see if they like it. And, you know, the company loved the idea. This nonprofit all of a sudden had 10 computers that they could work on and they didn't have to spend money in, in getting these computers. And, and we had 10 computers that we could resell and make money from. So it was creating this win, win, win and using my business as the mechanism to do it that, you know, I became really passionate about how can we turn this into a model that we can really scale and replicate and not only help companies that uh, that want to give back to the community in, in, in a powerful way, but also tackle huge issues that we have in our community, like access to computers in you know addressing the device gap and um, and you know one thing led to another. We it, you know that story. Um, got in, in the ears of the media and, and we were put in this spotlight and it kind of gave us instant credibility. And, and, you know, ever since that moment, we've been just working on the model and perfecting it and, and growing it. Yeah. And it's just so amazing. I remember too, that you invited me to, um, to, uh, um, be the judge at this, um, um, contest that you had for a middle school, where you were teaching these kids to come out with a um, an entrepreneurial uh, idea, right? So with a business, and these kids were so resourceful on finding out how uh, you know what was the need, how they were going to supply the need, how they were going to make money out of the need. And these are kids that you would think, oh my God, you know, um, what do they really know? But but you put on their hearts something that is so important um, because the school, yes, is about knowing the numbers and reading and writing, but it's also that entrepreneurial spirit is something that comes of outside the box thinking. And I think you empower them and encourage them to, to do just that. 
Um, so you're always giving back to the community and giving the, the next generation that way of looking at the future in a different way is such a powerful thing. I, you know, it was very, um, thank you for that. And when, you know, when we started deploying all these computers so far, we've deployed almost 2000 computers. And I mean, we have a large footprint of kids that we know that have now have access to computers and that they didn't. But one of the, um, <clears throat> one of the, uh, the issues that also comes with that is that, okay, so if you're providing the technology now, what are these kids doing with those computers? And we were at this round table, other folks from the community, and we were trying to figure out how can we put together a program and use these computers as a, as a tool to, to deliver some sort of educational curriculum. And um, they asked me, well, Tony, if you had to teach a kid something, what would you teach them? And uh, there's absolutely nothing that I think that I could teach them other than what I've learned in my entrepreneurial journey, purely based on empirical um, you know, experience. So I said, well, I can... You know, I can probably teach kids about entrepreneurship. So we created this entrepreneurship curriculum and we taught it to these kids and then we digitized the entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurship curriculum. But to your point, you know, you were talking about entrepreneurship to a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old and they, they didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. But, you know, business is such a great equalizer and especially in this amazing country that we live in, the, the opportunity to have an idea and turn it into a reality and create a business model around it is something that anybody, literally anybody can do. And, you know, teaching that to these kids and planting that seed, that seed that, I mean, whether they become an entrepreneur or not, it's beyond the point. The point is that if we teach kids the skill set of an entrepreneur if we can teach them problem solving is we, if we can teach them resourcefulness if we can teach them you know resilience then they're going to thrive as as professionals they're going to thrive as students and and that was the whole point and that's a program that we've kept uh growing kind of in parallel with with the company yeah and amazing amazing and I know I just read an article about your relationship with the Small Business Administration. And, and to, to, to just um, um, re, re, uh, to make sure we get this uh, point across, uh, you are one of the businesses that I know that have succeeded that started from perhaps being uh, one entrepreneur to now having eight or seven or eight employees and then hiring more. So tell me a little bit about that story of, you know, starting with an idea, making it a business, and then growing it and those relationships with the people that have helped you, and especially right now during the pandemic, to stay afloat. So tell me a little bit about why is those relationships important? Yeah, well, you know, one of the first things I did when I, when I came here, remember in 2011, I didn't know anyone. Uh, it was, I came by myself and 
you know, my parents were super supportive, but they stayed, they stayed back, back in Venezuela. So I had to, you know, well, you don't have to, but I felt like I had to really understand my community. And then when I opened my business, um, I really wanted to get involved. So I, I came out of my shell and I started going to any type of event organization, you know, you need to get involved with your community. And that, that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For me, it was, you know, young professional uh, organizations and the, the Chamber of Commerce and one, you know, there were two organizations that I reached out. Uh, one was at that point HBIF, which is now Prospera, and then the other one was the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. And, you know, they, they provided me with an enormous amount of support these are tax paying dollars you know we pay for these type of services and a lot of people don't know that are out there and you know ever since 2014 until today we've had a team of folks at the SBDC that every time I have a question I reached out and you know they provide an answer so community is a huge component you have to get involved with your community because that's the only way where you can establish these relationships and, and keep growing. And for me, it's one of the best things about, about my businesses is, you know, nurturing all of these relationships and finding different ways to give back and using your business as a tool to give back in a scalable way. Yeah. And I believe also the relationships with your banker. I mean, that's the other part of uh, when I was doing my own kind of finding my own way in business. Um, I realized that the way I was going to be successful is with those relationships, even with the banks, um, you know, because each bank is different. But um, uh, having both of them work together uh, with the same goal, it helps as a business owner to, to feel supported, to feel heard, and to feel that we all care and, and we all fighting for the same goal, you know, to achieve the same goal, which is making sure that we all in business. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it takes a village. And as you keep growing as a company, it takes even more resources. Um, so creating, you know, not only strong partnerships, but also great, great, you know, working relationships and friendships with, with people in the community who you look up to. Right, who are these community leaders, business leaders, um, and that's why that's one of the things that I admire about you the most is because I remember when I was starting out, you know, and I saw you out there in the community, um, you know, I, I I would look at someone like you and I would say, you know, I want to, you know, learn from that person. I want to work with that person in one way or another, and you know, having uh, having started that relationship and nurtured to where, where it is right now. I'm just happy that, um, that there are so many people that, that have, you know, just shared our experience and our passion for, for community change. And, and, um, we're just happy, happy to be in a place that, that nurtures that ecosystem. Yes. And where can people find you, Tony? So, um, the best, um, I'm very open in social media, and we're always doing community events. We're always engaged with the community at very different levels, from a personal level and from a, from a business level. So if you just go to eSmartRecycling.com, www.eSmartRecycling.com, or if you find us on social media, our, our handles are at 
eSmartRecycling.com and, and uh, I'm sorry, at eSmartRecycling in Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and, and Twitter. So um, we're very active there and you'll see if, if we have an event, if we have a recycling drive, if we're doing a speaking engagement, um, that's, that's where we'll post it. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. It's always great having you at my shows. And my listening, my listening, bodies, thank you uh, for being present. And I just want to share this quote from my book: "Great leaders don't set out to be leaders; they set out to make a difference. It's never about the role; it's always about the goal. Great leaders don't set out to be a leader." They set out to make a difference. It is never about the role. It's always about the goal. And Tony cannot be uh, a bigger poster child from that. He has become a leader that is changing the community locally and now internationally too. And we all admire and want to help him. And because he does that, our whole community develops as a better, stronger, more positive and more helpful community that will change the world. So my friends, if you're looking to have a thriving, successful, and profitable business, the first thing you need to do is find your purpose. Find that reason of why you want to do what you want to do. Then add your passion to it. Get your business relationships and your connections established. And then make a change i did make a decision to change the world sky is the limit and people will follow you as the inspirational leader that you are well my friends thank you so much this is rosie paulson stay pure stay positive and stay inspired ciao you just enjoyed another episode of Cafecito with Rosie on air. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and visit www.rosiepaulson.com to learn more about Rosie Paulson Enterprises. Stay pure, stay positive, stay inspired. Seniors, can you walk into your doctor's office and see them when you need to? Do you have your doctor's cell phone number? And can you call them anytime, day or night? At Dedicated Senior Medical Center, their only specialty is caring for seniors. Dedicated makes it easy to get the primary care you deserve. If your doctor isn't taking time to listen to you or isn't treating you like family, it's time to call Dedicated Senior Medical Center. Schedule a visit to find out more about the care you deserve. Call 813-359-1448. That's 813-359-1448. Appointments available now.